Well, good morning, Identity Church. I'm going to go ahead and get us started. I know that, you know, we've got some, some visitors here, so uh, I'm going to try not to re-preach six weeks worth of messages all at one time, okay? So if I actually re-preach that, well, I can. We'll be here till six o'clock tonight. So y'all just, <laughs> y'all go ahead and get in, you know, take your naps if you need to, but take a break. We'll, we'll have some sandwiches in the back. You can go get them as I'm teaching. No, but we are having a fellowship today. And, um, you know, for all those that may be watching us on live stream, come in every other week. We have fellowships. We come together. We eat some good food. We get to talk to each other. We get to know each other. You know, that's the beauty of being a part of the family in the body of Christ. You know, we just didn't get saved and get stuck. Because if we had just gotten saved and gotten stuck, we would have just went and sat on the couch. Do you know that God wants us to be a part of the family? And it's just like last night. We got together. We had, uh, we had Amy's birthday and we had my Aunt Cheryl's birthday. And, you know, we just had people everywhere. It was loud. You know, church is supposed to be loud too. I mean, I was listening to all you people as y'all were talking before this. I couldn't have preached over it. It was loud. See, what we need to do is we need to have family in the church. If we have family in the church, then we have connection in the church. And if we have connection in the church, that means that when I need something, I can get something from you. When you need something, you can get something from me. See, that's what families do. Is when we have the gifts of the Spirit, we have our callings all working together. Man, it's, it's the body of Christ. We all work as the body. That's what is awesome about having a church family. So I welcome anybody that is listening to us. I know we also do a podcast. So if you want to, you can go out and uh, see our Facebook page. You can go to identity, uh, youridentitychurch.com and you can get to all of that if you want to. I won't, I won't sit there and tech jargon you to death this morning. But I'm going to go ahead and get started on my message. For the last six weeks, we've been talking about choosing life. You know, when we talk about choosing life, there's a lot of things that we get in there. We've talked about hope and we've been on faith for the last few weeks. We need to understand that when we choose something, we need to know that at the end of that choosing, there's something on the other side of it. You know, if you just said, well, I'm just going to, it's like, you know, Heather's in the back. I'm going to, I get to talk about her today because she's not here to defend herself. But Heather, I chose her 25 years ago. At the end of this month, we will be married 25 years. Now, in that last 25 years, I will tell you that I had to choose her all the time. I had to choose her over situations. I had to choose her over my own feelings. I had to choose her over my family. I had to choose her because she needed to be chosen for her to be my wife. For us to be one flesh. Do you know that that is what we have to do every single day with each other as we choose life for each other? But you know what? We got to choose life for ourselves first. Let me tell you why. In fact, Deuteronomy 30, 19, and I'm not going to go through all of this, but I'm just going to hit the highlights. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Now, let me ask you a question. What are you choosing? If you're choosing something other than life, then you, which comes first, by the way, because if you don't choose it, then your descendants are not going to. You know, my, my son and my daughter are both here today. You know what's awesome about having my son and daughter here today? Just like I said last week, man, my son will sit down with me. The other day I went and got lunch for us. He started preaching to me. I didn't stop him. I told him. I said, keep going. That's good stuff. You know why? Because when I chose more than 25 years ago to make this my life, when I said, this is going to be my life, then I chose for myself. And then I started putting it into him and I put it into Kaylee. You know what? Every single day, they preach to me. They'll actually, my son will tell me, hey, dad, that's not faith. That's not faith. You're not, you're not acting in faith. 
hey, I need sometimes for people to go, Dusty, get off your butt and do something. That's not faith. That's what a family does. Family kicks us in the rear and says, let's go. Let's go. You know, Jesus, when he came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly, he came so that we would have a bunch of brothers and sisters to go, go. Don't stop. Go. You know, when I choose life, I'm choosing to love God and he's choosing to love me. You know, every single time in my life, like I woke up this week, I did not want to wake up and go to work most of the days. Most people don't want to go to work every single day. If you do, there's probably something wrong with you. But I will tell you this, you need it. You need to get up and do something every single day. Do you know that when I do that, and I have relationships with people that I work with, I have relationships with those that are around me, it makes my family life better. Do you know that when I choose life, it makes, it makes me love God and God love me. It makes my relationships better with the people that are around me. And then the, the final thing is that I have faith in His Word. If I have faith in God's Word, and believe me, I can go and I can pull out a ton of awesome promises. One of them that I do every single day is I wake up and I'm like, you know, my hair's all over my head and I just look like somebody has just like beat me because I got to, you know, I've been sleeping all night long. I go walking in there and I wash my face off and I look inside the, to the mirror and I say, you are health. First Peter 2.24 says that by his stripes we were healed. That means at the cross, he did something on the cross. So if he did something, then in present tense form, I am health. You know what? I get to go, hey, buck up. You are health. Do you know that, that there are a ton more promises? My God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I have not had a day where God has not supplied my needs. But see, I get to choose to believe the promise. There's a lot of people that they get, they get saved and stuck. Let's talk about saved and stuck for just a second, okay? You know that the bottom one down here says that in Romans 10, 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Christ was raised from the dead, that, that you should be saved. So that right there is how you get saved, I believe in Jesus. I believe he rose. Boom, you're saved. You ever quit believing that? Then you're not saved. But do you know that I have found that most people, that when they finally believe, even if they haven't renewed their mind, they will continue on with Jesus. You know why? Because their spirit has been remade and reformed. You know, I'm going to ask this question. How many people here believe that Jesus is Lord? Raise your hand. You know what? You're saved. But you know what? You probably don't have... You, you've got to do like I do. Because you're no different than I am. I know y'all think you're better than me, but you're not. Okay? This is the deal. Salvation has to come to us through His Word. In fact... Salvation is the first step to renewing our mind. Romans 12, 2. It tells us that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind through the Word. Do you know that every single time I get my mind off of God's Word and I start putting it on the news? You know, you go turn on you know, NBC, CNN, Fox News. It doesn't matter which one it is. You go put Facebook on. You go look at your news app. However you get news, your mind is being conformed to the world. But when you read the word, it's being transformed. See, it's like a form. You know, this water, it's in this bottle. It's being conformed. This water right here looks just like the bottle until I pour it out. Because it takes on the form. Well, our mind is exactly the same way. Whatever we put our mind on is what is going to be conformed. But what is awesome is that I could stick this sucker in the freezer and I could freeze it 
And then it is transformed into something that is no longer just a liquid, it's a solid. You know that that would be transforming my mind into something else based upon the things that I know. You know that that when I am conformed by the world, that it will just continue to form me into what it wants to look like. But when I am transformed, I start looking like Him. Every single day on the outside. See, our spirit man got recreated. We, we became a new creature in Christ Jesus according to 2 Corinthians 5.17. But do you know that our mind still has the same old stupid stuff in it? You know, every single day, you know, when I got saved, you know, I was pretty, I was pretty fat. But now you see I'm not. <laughs> Whew, you know, thank you, Jesus. I'm just glad you just came and transformed me. No, the moment I got saved, my spirit man was reborn, but I was just as fat as I was. I had the same stupid thoughts in my head when I got saved. You know what I had to do? I had to go read the word. I had to go transform my mind. Your mind is constantly either being conformed or it's being transformed into God's image or it's being conformed into what the world wants to force you into. So salvation is things like peace and health and prosperity and righteousness. When you go look up the word soteria in the Greek, your mind gets peace and health and prosperity and righteousness. Can y'all say it with me? Peace and health and prosperity and righteousness. One more time. Peace and health and prosperity and righteousness. Do you know that this is a problem in our society? Is that we have the opposite of this if we don't transform our mind. We start having fear. We start having problems in our body. You know, we also start having problems with our money. Money causes us to fight. Do you know that my, my right standingness with God, see, all this word righteousness just means is that I have a right standing with God. It means that me and God, that God looks at me and he says, your, your debt has been paid. And you believe it and you just walk in it. Do you know that in my mind, will and emotions, those are things that I'm constantly having to change. I have to go, no. Do you know it? I, I want y'all to, this is, this is a great word for you guys, okay? I want everybody to practice this with me, okay? When something comes into your mind, I want you to use this word. It's a, it's a strong and powerful word, okay? It's no. Can y'all do it with me? One, two, three. No. See, that word right there changes your mind. You know, Kenneth Hagin said that a, a thought is like a bird that flies across over your head. He said, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from nesting in your hair. The problem is, is that we let a thought come in and nest in our head and nest in our head and nest in our head. Next thing you know, you got eggs in there. The moment you got eggs in there, you can only do one of two things. You can make an omelet or it's going to turn into something. That's what we got to do is we got to get that stuff out of our head. So we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the trouble with the water this morning. We're going to talk about the problem with our unregulated mind. Okay? Our unregulated mind has a lot of has lots of differences with what God's word says, especially the longer that we've had it. How many people, how many people have had something happen in your life and it's been there for a long, long time that you didn't want to have happen? Hey, I, I just used the word fat, right? I've been this way all my life, 45 years. Okay. So I, I know what it's like to live with something that, Hey, I would love to be skinny. But I also love food more than I love to be skinny. So I'll just tell you that straight up. But this is the problem with having something all of your life. Is that it transforms and conforms you. And then when the form gets pulled off, what happens? Well, by that time, you've already set up. 
you've already hardened. It's like concrete. And you need the Jesus jackhammer to come in and bust that sucker up. See, that's what happened in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. We see that there was a man at the pool of Bethesda. The man had had an illness for 38 years. I don't know about y'all, but there's people in here that ain't even 38 years old. And this right here is like having a kid. This is like, this is like hey, I now own this. This is the way that my life is. And I'm just looking for, I'm just looking for whatever can ease my pain. Sometimes I think that we're looking for an excuse. And we're going to find out this about this man. In verse 1 it says, After that there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was in Jerusalem by the sheep's gate a pool, which was called in the Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. We're going to find out why there was five porches. There was a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Now I'm going to tell you what, this moving of the water, it must have been powerful. You had all these people, great multitudes of people. They actually went and built five porches around this pool. Now it says here in verse 4, it says, For an angel went down. I want you to understand the the terminology here. It went down at a certain time. We don't know when that time was. That could have been two, three, four, five hundred years ago. It could have been a thousand years ago. By the way, it could have been a lie. We don't know. Nobody knows the time frame here. But what we do know is that people were waiting for the water to be troubled. And it says here, For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there in that condition a long time, he said unto him, Do you want to be made well? I'm telling you guys, this is a great question to ask yourself. This is not just about being sick. Do you want to have a great family? Do you want to have a good job? Do you want to have a good life? See, this is a, this is a question that Jesus could ask any one of us about any numerous amounts of things that are going on in our lives. Because it He says here, do you want to be well? The guy did not answer. The sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Now, everybody thinks about, see, I read these things and over the years, the Holy Spirit has had me to see Jesus sometimes and how he would say some of these things. Because a lot of times we just think Jesus was just walking around going, do you want to be well? And people would say stuff and he would go, oh, well, rise up and take up your bed and walk. No, no, no. This is the way I believe Jesus did this. Jesus asked him, hey, do you want to be well, dude? And the guy goes, oh, all this stuff. I've got all these excuses. It's bad for me. I'm not able to be well because no one's going to help me. And Jesus just goes, okay, you didn't answer my question. You either take up your bed or walk or not. And Jesus goes on because it doesn't say that Jesus hung around. All he did was just say, take up your bed and walk. And he goes off. Do you know that Jesus asked him a question? That the man was unwilling to answer. You know why he was unwilling to answer it? It's because in his own mind, he was never going to see himself well. It wasn't about what I want. It was all these other things that was going on. And see, Jesus himself was coming to this man 
and was trying to help change his mind. You know what's funny about this is the man had a choice. He could either choose life or he could choose death. He could choose blessing or he could choose cursing. He had two choices. You know what's funny about this is it said when right here in, um, in verse 9 it says, And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. Now this word, this word uh, arrow, it means to put away, to remove, or take away. It's like take out the trash. Go take your bed and go put it away because you don't need it anymore. Do you know that Jesus is telling us this morning there's anger issues or there's problems at work or there's problems in your body or there's something going on and Jesus is saying take it and put it away because that's not who you are. I don't care if it's been 38 years. You get up and you put it away because you need to live a different life. Now you can choose do I do this or not. Now, in this guy's time, he wasn't saved because Jesus had not went to the cross. So it wasn't even a matter of believing in Jesus. It was a matter of believing in his word. Did he believe that Jesus' words mattered? The moment that he said, take up your bed and walk, the man believed it. How do we know? Because it says, immediately the man was made well. It didn't say that he took up his bed and then he was made well. He believed it and then he did something about it. See, Jesus did it. it I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that you make yourself well. That's not what I'm saying at all. But there is a part that you play. If, I want, if I'm thirsty, which by the way I am, and there's water up here. I'm thirsty, guys. What do I do? I, I need to take a drink? Well, how do I get it out of here? Y'all help me? I, I'm, I'm struggling here, guys. Oh, take the lid off. Oh, oh, what? I'm going to pour it on my head. What do I do? Oh, I got to put it in my mouth. Wow, that was so much better when I listened to y'all. But see, after 38 years, there needs sometimes for people to go, okay, this is what you do. You got to get up and you got to take your bed and you got to start walking. You got to get up and you got to start walking. Well, I've never walked like that before. I've never had relationships like that before. I've never had finances before. I've never had the ability to have a good family before. I've never had my body healed in this way before. Brothers and sisters, we need to sometimes tell people, Let's, we're going to do this. Let's get up. Let's walk. You know what? I, I, knew a, I knew a guy, and he had a bad accident. He had a problem with his leg, um, and he was rehabbing his leg. Well, there was scar tissue because he didn't do it right. Well, he actually said, hey, I would be bedridden, I would be in a wheelchair if it hadn't been for the fact that my daughter came every single day and pulled me up out of my, my lazy boy, which by the way, you get a lazy boy, you start becoming a lazy boy. I'm just telling you straight up. I've been there, okay? You can be a lazy girl too, okay? But you, you pull, she was actually pulling him up and saying, no, you're going to walk. Well, it hurts. No, 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 you're going to walk. You know, he said, that saved my life. He said, that saved my life. You know what? Sometimes it just saves our life to go, I'm going to do what Jesus said. Because it's choosing life over choosing to sit down and die. You know what? If that's what you want to choose, then I'm sorry. You're not going to have both life and death that's going to happen at the same time. One or the other is going to happen. Which one do you choose? I'm going to choose life. Okay? So don't stay in the bed you made. Take it and throw it away. Get it out of here. You don't need it anymore. 
You know, one of the things that I want you to understand here is that in this very last verse, it says, The Jews therefore said to him, after the man was walking and he was doing all this stuff on the Sabbath day, the first thing they said to him, not, hey, you're that dude that's been laying in his bed. The first thing they said to him, it's Sabbath. It's unlawful for you to carry your bed. Well, for 38 years, I've been sleeping on this sucker. I've been laying on it. I've been sitting on it. And if you go and read further in these verses, he goes and starts telling about Jesus. Jesus is gone. Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. And he turned around and walked off. See, the people in the synagogues going, I know this dude. He's been out here forever. I've known the guy. I've seen him. And he's walking around with this bed. First thing they say is, hey, it's unlawful. You know, sometimes you're going to get... Sometimes you're going to be sitting there and the Lord's going to tell you, start believing for something, start acting upon something, start going in a direction. And if you do it, people are going to go, you can't do that. You can't do that. Brock, you can't do that. Al, you can't do that. I mean, just to believe that way, uh, I've never seen that happen. Well, you know what? Quit talking to me about it because I want to see it. You know, I want to see the goodness of God come to pass in my life and in my children's life and in my children's children's life so far on that I will never, ever see them. We start a legacy right now. We, we plant the seed right now and then we get a fruit. You know that we have fruits that are being propagated all the time from seeds that we've put in our hearts and in our minds long long time ago you know what kill off all those and let's start right now because if i choose life right now then my seed will create fruit and my fruit will create seeds and they will create fruit and it just keeps going and going and going you know that this is actually what happened in the pharisees hearts we actually find out that because of things like this, the Pharisees actually saw this and said, hey, something's going on here. In fact, in Mark chapter 5, you know, we see that the Pharisees themselves were actually impacted by things like the man at, at the pool of Bethesda. It says in Mark 5, 22, and it says, Behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came. His name was Jairus by name. Okay, we're not talking about just some guy on the street. We're talking about a guy in the synagogue. This is one of the Pharisees. This guy has been against Jesus the whole time, but guess what happens? It says, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. So he, he saw Jesus. He ran up to Jesus. He fell down at Jesus' feet. Why did he do this? It says verse 23, and it says, And he begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. I want you to understand the words here. He didn't say, Well, come lay your hands on her, and she might be healed. He didn't say, oh, well, what can you do? No, this man said, hey, I've seen all the things you've done. And if you do the things I've seen you do, this is what's going to happen. I believe it. You know that in my own life, I've seen so many things that Jesus has done. I can't unsee them. I don't, I don't even know how to unsee them. When somebody says, well, how do you know Jesus is real? Well, he's done lots of stuff for me. I don't have to even, I don't even have to, to act like Jesus is real because he is. I've actually, I've actually been in places like Costa Rica and I've seen it where I didn't know the language. I didn't know the people. I didn't know nothing. And by the way, when you're in some of the worst parts of the world and you've got no medicine, you've got no science, you've got nothing. Guess what? People believe really quickly. It's almost like this. I mean, you'll say something and they go, hey, I want to believe that because I want it to happen to me. 
You know, that's, that's one of the bad parts about the United States is the fact I can go down the street and I can say, hey, you can be healed. You can have prosperity. You can have peace in your life. And people go, well, I don't know about that. I mean, I went to my doctor and he says, I got to take this medicine the rest of my life. Or you go and you talk to them and they go, well, I went and talked to my counselor. And they said, I'm going to have to be with them for the rest of my life. Or, hey, I went and talked to my banker. And my banker said, you're never going to get ahead in life. You know, this is, a, this is a problem because we have too many people that tell us too many things. And because they have some sort of degree at the end of their name, we just trust them. We, we just trust them. You know, we're actually seeing a rebounding in America of diseases that are coming about because we've taken too many drugs and we've done too many things and people don't even have DNA sequences in their, in their bodies no more to be able to fend off things like the Black Plague. You know, it was all European people actually had it and we passed it down to our kids. And all this stuff's starting to go away because we don't even fight it off anymore. Oh, there's, there's 15 drugs for that. I mean, heck, I'm not an anti-vaxxer by any means. I mean, I, I even took the first vaccine, okay? Whether you hate me for it or you love me for it, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care. But I didn't take anything after that because I started looking at it and going, hey, every single time somebody gets the shot, they still get covid well, we start talking about somebody messing with our mRNA. You know, I look at this and say, I don't have a problem with you taking medicine. I don't have a problem with you going to the doctor. I don't have a problem with you going to a psychologist. I don't have a problem with you going to your banker. But at the end of the day, if you don't seek first the kingdom of God, you're not following his promise. You know, there's a lot of times I pray before I go to the doctor. I go to the doctor all means but i pray about lord i'm seeking you what do you want me to do about this situation by the way i may you know i actually went to a chiropractor for years because the lord told me quit going to the doctor and getting shots hey i go get my neck popped every other week i go have my back popped I go have my, my ankles and my, my feet worked on. I get up and move around. I mean, I might not be able to dance the cha-cha, but I can actually get up here and move around every single day. Do you know that the thing is, every single day I ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm seeking first the kingdom rather than seeking first a pill. You know, there's a lot of things that go on in my body, my life, my finances, that I could just call up. Oh, I need to call somebody. You know, I use this as a testimony, and this is not bragging. This is not being down on anybody or whatever. But the Lord told me when all this stuff started happening with the economy, move my money around. And I did. And I actually went and told some of my friends about it. And they said, oh, yeah, it sounds like a good idea. Because I started moving it from things that was more risky to less risky. Do you know that they lost about 70,000 plus dollars and I didn't lose anything. In fact, I had one of my friends go, did you move that money? And I said, yes. And he goes, he goes, oh, you're so lucky. That's the word he used. You're so lucky. And I stopped him. I said, no, 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 I'm giving God credit because I prayed, Lord, something's happening. The more I'm praying, the more I'm starting to feel in here that something is changing in our environment. And the Lord said, hey, go do a couple things. One of them was move some money. The other was starting to pray for our leaders. I pray for our leaders every single day that, they're, that they get smarter. We need them to get smarter, okay? But the other thing that he told me to do, he, he, said, he said, don't worry. That was the hardest of them all. That was the hardest of them all. Don't worry. So right here, when Jairus comes up to Jesus, this man, he's seen Jesus do all this 
this stuff. He's completely taken, uh, he's, you know, because he's the guy sitting in the temple when all the Pharisees come up to him and go, hey, let's go kill him for going and healing these people. So he's going, hey, I might need him to heal my daughter. And it says right here in verse 24, so Jesus went with him, didn't ask him, didn't do anything. He just says, hey, I'm going to go. And a great multitude followed him and they thronged him. This word is thronged, okay? So I'm not using another word. But basically that meant that there was a press. There was so many people that they were being pressed in. Have y'all ever been to a rock concert and you went down and you had the mosh pit? You know, and you're like sitting there. You know, it's like, you know, dun, 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 you know, and they're like, oh, people are hitting you and everything. This is what was happening to Jesus. It wasn't a rock concert. It was just that was that many people there. Okay. Jesus could barely move. He was being pressed in. And just by happenstance, I believe it was the Holy Spirit. It says, and now a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years. See, this is another person that had something that was long-term. But see, she decided, hey, I'm going to do something about it. And had suffered many things from physicians. She went to every doctor. She'd spend all of her money. She was ready to do anything to fix her problem. And it says, and she had spent all, of, all that she had. It was no better, but rather grew worse. It says, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I touch his clothes, I'll be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. I'm going to tell you what, guys. She was so on ready. She didn't have to say, let's go. She didn't have to have Jesus say, take up your bed and walk. She was like, I'm going to go bust down the doors. If Jesus is in that crowd, I'm going to go touch the hem of his garment. I'm going to do whatever I can do. I got a friend of mine, uh, Pastor Brad. He said he, he was probably the worst sick that he had been. He said he had like pneumonia and flu and everything all at the same time. And he was having to drive to Texas in order to go and do something in Mexico. So he was having to drop off some stuff in Texas for, for Rama, and he was going down, and, and he, um, he was going to go to the Rama Bible College in Mexico. He worked there for several years, and he said he was leaving Alabama, and he was just so sick, and he was like, Lord, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I can't drive all the way to Texas. I just I need something. Lord, I need to be healed. And he's going, and he gets into Mississippi, and he goes, you know what? I'm going to be I'm going to be well by the time I get to the Mississippi uh, Mississippi Louisiana line. He gets to the Mississippi Louisiana line, and he said, the mo- about a mile or two into the line, he goes, man, I'm feeling better, feeling good, woo! And he says he's driving, and all of a sudden he hears the Lord Holy Spirit say, you could have had that before the Mississippi Louisiana line. But see, the hem of his garment had no special properties. Everybody thinks Jesus' garment was awesome. Woo, if I could just touch the hem of his, of his pants. There was nothing special about his pants. They were no different than anybody else's pants. It was the decision that she made to receive something from Jesus. And the moment that she said, hey, this is what it's going to take. That's what, it's, what I'm going to do. The moment that it happened was the moment that that she was healed. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I've never had an experience like this where I went and did something like, if I can just, you know, touch this bottle of water, I would be healed. But, you know, I have had it where I just said, in the name of Jesus, you are health. And I just started believing and I started believing within minutes I was better. You know, it said, as the lepers went, they were healed. I, I got up and went to work. I started doing the things I needed to do because the moment that I stepped into those things, the more and more I was healed. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is special. I, I, 
I don't see this happen to a lot of people all the time because I think we should believe in his word more than we believe in his underwear or, or his garment or his hem. And see, that's what I don't want you to take away from this is, oh, Jesus had that special garment. No, this lady was listening to the words of Jesus and saying, hey, I'm just, I just need to get to him. You know, you have him. If you've been born again, everybody raised your hand out here. You have the greater one that lives on the inside of you. Luke chapter 17 says that, that the kingdom of God is not without. It's not something we're looking for. It's something that's within. You're not looking for it. It's right here. It's in the midst of us right now. All we have to do is agree with it and move on. And it says that immediately this, this happened in her body. And it says, Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned into the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And of course his disciples are like, hey, you're a weirdo. There's a lot of people touching you. And that's what it, act, I mean, if you go and look at the Greek in this, his disciples literally would talk to him and go, you're being weird, dude. I mean, you see a multitude of people and they're touching you? Why are you screaming at people going, who touched me? I mean, that would be kind of weird, right? I mean, if we're out here and, 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 I, and I just start screaming out, hey, hey, who, who came and sat in these chairs? You guys would be, we're all sitting in the chairs. But Jesus knew one thing and one thing only, that virtue had come out of him. He knew that this lady had been healed. And it says, But this woman was fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened in her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. See, the power was ever present for him to do something. But she had to have the faith to go and receive it. I've said this before. Uh-oh, he caught it. He received. Now let me see if I can do it. Uh-oh, I received. Do you know that, that most of the time I think that people will go, that Jesus is like, okay, here we go. And they throw it and they hit him in the head. Oh, I wasn't ready to receive, Lord. And wow, that really hurt. That was a fastball right to the noggin. You know, I think that Jesus himself sometimes is saying, I'm not going to throw the ball to you because I know you can't catch it. Or you're not going to catch it. We need to be ever present, ready to receive from him. And it says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your inflictions. Now, this is where it gets awesome, okay? Now, while all this has been going on, Jairus is standing right beside Jesus. And he's watching this dude screaming into the crowds and doing all this stuff. He hears the woman. He's probably listening to this. And he thinks, okay, well then, all the healing for today is over with. Jesus is closed. We're, we're not even going to get to the next level. And it says, and while he was, he was still speaking, the ruler of the synagogue's house said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard these words was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, but only believe. Now, I'm going to give you some do's and don'ts. How many people like do's and don'ts? I like them. They make me go, hey, do and don't. It's pretty simple, right? I mean, do, don't. So I'll give you do, do here. Have expectations that whatever God's word, that it's going to happen for you. How about this one? Have a plan. And don't worry, God's going to change it. You know, when I started this church, I had no plan. You can ask my father-in-law. He said, hey, I'll come with you. We were going to start it at my house because of the pandemic. I had no plans. I didn't see this building. I didn't know anything was going to happen. I just knew I was supposed to start the church. You know what? My plans have changed a ton. That's okay. God's good at that. Do what you know to do and nothing more. Wow. 
I just wished I had known this one a long time ago. I always wanted to help God out. I was pretty good at trying to help God out because I didn't think he knew what he was doing. Well, God, you don't know about this, and you don't know about this, and you don't know about this. So I'm going to try to help you out here, and I'm going to supersede what you're doing. Well, you know what? God knows better, so don't try to help him out. Do what you know to do that he's told you to do, and don't do any more. Well, that may take longer. Well, guess what? If you go and screw it up, it's going to take 40 years, it could be. I mean, go look at people like Moses. He went and killed his Egyptian. He killed one Egyptian rather than all of Egypt. And he just went, if he had waited 10 years, he wouldn't have had to went into the desert for 40. See, a lot of times we say, I know better than you, God. And God's going, no, you don't. So here's a couple of don'ts. Don't let anyone or anything keep you from the promise. If you know something to be true, you go after it, you receive it. Let the circumstances keep you from... Uh, let, don't let the circumstances keep you from continuing. Just because you had a fight this morning doesn't mean that, that you're not saved. I'm just telling you straight up. Just because there was a problem in your finances, you couldn't pay that bill. You know what? There's been plenty of times my water's been cut off. I still got by. You know, there are, there are opportunities for you to say, what does my circumstance look like? Well, don't worry about that. Just keep going. And don't quit. Don't quit. This is the number one thing. But see, this is what I want you to understand is that when you don't quit, this is what happens. Because the rest of that verse says in verse 37, it says, And he permitted no one to follow him except for Peter, James, John, and his, and his brother James. So he picked the people to go and be with him in the room with Jairus' daughter. He didn't say, hey, everybody, come on in here. You know why? Because this is what was happening. Then he came out of the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a, a tumult of those who wept and wailed loudly. So I don't know if anybody knows this. I've, I've said this before from the pulpit, so you may. But back in that day, you know, you would go and hire people to wail. I mean, at, at a funeral. And the more people you had, the richer you were. And they would actually, you know, oh, oh, God, oh, God. That was the, this was the way that they, you know, had their funerals when somebody died. You know, uh, years ago, I, I didn't understand this or really know anything about this until a couple of years ago when... Um, was it Kim Jong-un or whatever it was that died? North Korean, you know, his the, the new one, um, his dad died. Well, they actually put a decree out saying, our supreme leader has died. You guys need to have two full weeks of mourning. So it was like, if you were outside, you had to walk down the, and there would be videos of these people. They'd be walking down the road going, oh, 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 you know, and they're, they're throwing their hands up. And, and if you were just kind of walking down the street, you would have a, a, a police officer come up and go, you don't understand. The, the supreme leader died. You need to be more sad. Do you know that it was all fake? Just like this. See, they had all these people that was out there wailing because they wanted money. They wanted the synagogue leader after they wailed to go, here's you some money and here's you some money and here's you some money for, for making the funeral more sad. How about that? Anyway, so verse 39, it says, When he came in, he said unto them, Why make all this commotion and weep? He said, The child's not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. I think they did that for two different reasons. Number one, they, didn't, they weren't going to get paid. I think that was reason number one. But number two, they didn't know that he was going to actually raise somebody from the dead. See, I think in a lot of times we just kind of go, well, maybe that's not for me. Or maybe it's for me, but I'm not going to get paid. How many people, if you were on government assistance and the next thing you know you're completely healed and you could go back to work oh 
Oh, well, I don't know if I want to let people know about that. Well, you know what? There's, I've actually talked to people who said, nah, I get a good check for this. I don't want that. Okay. But it says right here in verse 40, it says they ridiculed him, but when they had put them all outside. So he went and put them all outside and he took the father and mother of the child and those who were with him. So he took James and John and Peter and all them and he brought them in there and he basically said, little girl, rise. She came to her feet. Do You know that Jesus didn't give up on her and he ain't going to give up on you. You know that every time Jesus himself would make a, a, he would make a decree or he would do something, you know, there'd be stuff going on and he wasn't moved by all that. And he would go put the people out. In fact, we actually saw this like two weeks ago when I was talking about how in his own hometown he could heal no one because they didn't believe in him except for a few sick. He actually took the people who were sick and went outside of his own town. How about that? How about it be like if y'all said, well, Dusty, I don't know if you can pray and we can get an agreement here in Alabaster. Let's go to Helena. Okay, everybody go get in my car. I'm going to go take you to Helena because for some reason, Alabaster doesn't believe in me. Okay? That was the way it was for Jesus. You know, the same thing here. He wanted people who were going to believe You know, I want people in this church that want to believe for something. I want us to believe for more. God has more for you. Your situation is not not grim. You're You're just on the inside of going through this situation. You know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Do you know that that's not the death valley? That's just a shadow of death. That means that you think that there's death in that valley. There's nothing there. Keep walking. If you don't quit, you win. You get to the other side of the valley. It's just a shadow. There's somebody telling you, oh, there's death in the valley, but it's just another valley. It's just another place for you to go. You know, our our biggest problem is this simple issue. Just a few more chapters away here. Mark 11, 20, 20 through 26. You know, Jesus had went and he cursed the fig tree because he went up to it. He said, hey, it should have had figs on it. It didn't. So he cursed it and they kept going. He went into the town. He went into the synagogue. Now, the greatest miracle that happened in that two or three days was Jesus went into a synagogue and he flipped a 500 pound table end over end. Okay, so when you go back and you read the scriptures about how he went into the synagogue and the money changers were were changing the money and you think it's like one of these tables we have in here that's plastic, like I could just push this little table over. No, no, no. Jesus, these were big wood tables and he walked up to the thing and he flipped it. That was miracle number one. Miracle number two was there was probably 50 guards with swords there that were not Roman. They were actually temple guards. And they would have killed him for that. They didn't touch him. He actually fashioned a whip. He flipped the table. Then he went over there and sat in the corner while people were just like cowering. And he's forming a whip. And he's like, yeah, I'm coming after you dudes. This is not, this is not something that just happened. Like, oh yeah, he went into the bank and he just flipped the the tables over in the bank, and then he run out. Now, Jesus went to church that day. See, I want you to see exactly what Jesus was doing because this is a miracle. Because in any other circumstance, he'd have died. They'd have killed him. He goes in there, the money changers are there. He goes, flips the, the tables over. He makes a whip. He goes and whips them, gets them out of there, and then he goes to church. He didn't run off. All the guards and everybody else is looking at him like, whoa, he has authority. So all that had happened. You know, Peter saw all this. Well, then in verse 21, and Peter said, remembering, because they were on their way back through, 
And it says, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree that had dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, saying, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Isn't that great? And it says, Jesus said, answered him and said, have faith in God. Good night. I just went into this synagogue and I flipped tables. No one killed me. I whipped all the people out. We went to church. I came back and this is what you're excited about is a fig tree that's dead. I mean, good night, guys. I fed the 5,000. Every time you yourself put your hand into the actual basket and went to go give it to somebody, there was food there. There was stuff. And the fig tree dying is what you had a big come apart over. And it says here in verse 23, it says, For surely I say unto you, whosoever says to the mountain. See, Jesus is, I think he's irate when he's saying this. See, everybody's just wanting to say, Oh, if you just say into the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in your heart. No, I think Jesus is still on him. I think this is a rant. I think Jesus is going into him going, look, dude, you've been with me this long and this is what you got a big deal for. For if you assuredly, if I say unto you, whosoever says unto this mountain, and I think he pointed off at a mountain and says, hey, you can go throw that sucker into the sea. If you, don't, if you don't doubt in your heart, you know, if, all you got to do is confess what you believe. This is not a backwards confession. This is not, well, I'm trying to work myself up. No. This is, I believe it and I say it. The words of my mouth be, is saying what I believe. And it says right here, and it says, but if you believe those things which you say will be done, he will have whatsoever things he says. See, this is a biblical promise. If you believe it and you say it, you will have what you say. If you believe it and you say it, you will have what you say. If you believe it and you say it, you will have what you say. You know, I had ADD and dyslexia. I didn't even graduate from high school. And I couldn't have passed any college whatsoever. And all of a sudden, I got a hold of Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ Jesus strengthens me. Well, just guess what? Every day after I got a hold of it, I believed it and I said it. And you know what? 11 years later, I went from having to go get a GED... So I went and got an associate's degree and I got a bachelor's degree. And then I got my master's in computer engineering from UAB. I mean, it's a real deal thing. I've got a piece of paper. You can go back to the college and you can go ask. But see, this is the thing. I believed it. I received it. I said it and then I lived it. I didn't just stop and go, oh, well, I hear what his word says. Maybe it'll happen for me. No, no, no. I have this kind of tenacity on the inside of me. Whenever some, something comes at me, I just, I scream inside because the Holy Spirit's going, no, you can have whatsoever you say if you believe it. All you have to do is believe it, say it, receive it. So this is the beauty about this is that I'm going to be honest with you. I've been... I've been living this life for about 26 or 27 years now. And it takes steps. This doesn't happen overnight. If you start today, it's going to be better two weeks from now. If you, if you start two weeks from now, you're still going to have to go two more weeks. See, it's just like growing a, a plant. I got Brock. He's got his hell peppers in the back. Y'all can have any of them that you want. If you want to eat them, you can have them. Man, he gave them to me the other day, and that sucker is hot. But I'm gonna tell you straight up. Did did you just like walk walk you know walk out one day and throw the seed in the ground, and then five hours later you come back and there's a pepper? No. There was weeks of it growing. The peach is better. So remember that. You can do the peaches over there. But see, this is, this is what we need to understand is that in verse 24 and verse 25, 
And it says, therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things, when you ask and pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive. That means let go of it. Loose it. Let go of it. You know, if I started grabbing stuff and I started trying to move forward and I've got this stand and I got everything, it's going to be hard for me to move forward. In order for me to move forward, I've got to let go of all those things that are binding me and I've got to move forward. Let me let go and then I'm going to move forward. But see, this thing he says that if your father in heaven may also loose your trespasses. See, I want you to understand something. This verse right here doesn't say, oh, well, you know, if you don't forgive somebody, then guess what, guys? God's just going to be mean to you. He's not going to forgive you. No, no, no. He's going to go, you're not ready to move forward. For your own sake. For your own good. You know, there's a lot of times in my life God has said, you haven't let go. So you don't need to go on. You need to get this right. You need to let go of some of that stuff that you had clinging on to you before I let you go and move you forward. Do you know that Every time in my life, and I'm closing here, guys. I know y'all are going, thank God. Woo! Let's get him off of me. But do you know that, that every time in my life that there has been a time for me to move forward, God goes, there's some stuff you got to let go of. There's opportunities for you to let go. I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. You know, there's, there's a point that I believe God is getting us to, especially after all these weeks of talking about this, where we can actually take the time to say, Lord, what are the things that are holding me back? Lord, help me to know where those things are. What do I need to let go of? I'm going to ask everybody that's got something that's holding you back, just raise your hand right now, just so I can see it. Amen, I see those hands. Do you know that I'm going to pray with you and agree with you right here. We're not going to have anybody get up. There's not going to be anything. And if you didn't raise your hand, I just want you to receive this too. But I want you to understand that God is wanting to change and revolutionize your life. He wants to move you from the place that you are to so many other levels. But in order to do that, you've got to let go of some stuff. You've got to say, that past is past at last and I'm going to continue to move forward. So right now, whatever those things are, I just want you to just, right now, just give them to God. I just want you to go, God, these are yours. These are not mine. In fact, everybody say it with me. God, these are yours. These are not mine. You know what? Even in my own life, I'm, I'm constantly doing that. I'm constantly saying, Lord, take this off of me. Get it off of me, Lord. So I'm just going to pray right now as everybody's got their heads bowed and their eyes closed. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray over each and every person in here. I pray that, that there is a, there's an opportunity that they give away the things that are holding them back. The things that they've not forgiven people for or the things that keep binding them. Father, I just pray right now that they loose those things as they pray. That they loose all of the things that have been hurtful. All of the things that are no longer, they're, they're no longer good for them. I pray in Jesus' name that I'm in agreement with them. If they'll just say, I agree. Then right now, it's just like your word says, where any two shall meet and touch and believe that it shall be done here on earth as it is in heaven. 
Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you are revolutionizing their mind, that they are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. They're no longer being conformed by the world. And I pray right now in Jesus' name that there's a peace that passeth all understanding that just comes right now, right now in Jesus' name. Release it and have the peace. Release it right now and have the peace. It's no longer yours. Don't hold on to it. It's no longer the thing that that feels right because you've had it for so many years. Let it go because there's something that feels better. There's something that is more productive. There's something that will earn you more in this life and the one to come. And I just pray right now in Jesus' name and agreement that those things are being loosed. And right now they are taking hold of life. And that from this point on that they're going to make the choice to choose life in these areas. That they're no longer going to hold on to. And anybody that says, that's me, I just want you to say, amen. 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 Well, we're having a fellowship today. I'm going to pray over the food. And then I'm going to let you guys go out there and just tear it up. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just pray over this time of food and fellowship. I thank you, dear Lord, that people are just going to grow together. And that we're going to have a great time in the Lord. I pray over this food that we're about to receive. May nourish our bodies. We ask you to sanctify it. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you, guys.